of what the actual fuck is going on with this whole politics business. I'm Jennifer Wan, and because it's Halloween, I'm dressed up as a witch. Um, <laughs> uh, so, uh, well, it'll be Halloween when I release this episode anyway. Um, and it is Halloween when I'm recording it, so, yeah. Um, so I, I, I'm not actually going out to like a party or anything, but I just, I just dressed up because I thought it would be fun. Um, and also because, you know... I'm I'm giving out, you know, stuff for the trick or treaters and things, so I thought, oh, I'll dress up. I don't want to be boring, so. <laughs> um, I hope you guys are having a nice Halloween, and doing something fun. I'm going to watch a scary movie tonight, I think, um, and I may or may not do some some magical spells. And my little witch outfit. So you never know what's going to happen. It's all a secret. It's all a surprise. But there is lots of political gossip to catch up with this week. So let's jump right into it. So I'm going to start with all of the things that involve... The Chancellor Rishi Sunak this week because <laughs> firstly this man is just a next level clown um, and also because he was in the spotlight because it was the budget this week we're talking all the things that are happening financially um but the thing that happened this week that involved him that I found most interesting <laughs> was that it was reported that apparently his team are messaging people on social media asking them to delete mean comments about Rishi Sunak, including those that highlight that he is short. Virginity, oh my god. <laughs> oh my god, not this. Um I <laughs> that is uh, goal, that is next level tragic. I mean <laughs> goal. That that is sad. That is really, really <laughs> Oh mate. Imagine being that insecure. This man is rich as fuck. He's got everything a person could want in life. 
And he's out here crying over social media comments, girl. Meanwhile, you have some politicians, particularly women. Like, you have someone like Diane Abbott who gets people literally threatening to kill her on social media, like, once an hour or something. But Rishi Sunak is out here like, Oh, could you please not tell people that I'm sure it's really hurtful to me? Can you delete that? Like, Jesus Christ, bro. (laughs) Oh, my God. Um... (laughs) And the fact that that his team thought that people wouldn't talk about this as well, like we're in the social media age, babes. If you tell, if you send a little DM to somebody, that's probably gonna get shared. Go, <laughs> uh, So onto the budget. Um, Oh my god. The one thing that has um, really stuck in my mind in regards to this was <laughs> two things that kind of linked up together. So, firstly, during the budget, it was. <laughs> still can't go over it it was announced that two million pounds was being promised to the city of liverpool so that they could build a new beatles attraction on the liverpool waterfront apparently nadine doris who's the culture secretary and is from liverpool was a big part in making this happen Now, for those outside of the UK or for those in the UK listening that have never been to Liverpool, there are quite a lot of Beatles-related attractions already there. Um, I I just... uh, I feel like this is is like giving, um, I don't know, like the Pope another Bible as a Christmas gift. He's already got loads of them. He don't need no more. Get him something he actually needs. Get the city of Liverpool something they actually need. They don't need this. (laughs) They could use that money for something else that's actually going to help people. But there's, like, girl, come on. (laughs) I just, it's just, I mean, it's not, it's funny, but it's not funny. Because, like, it's not funny in the sense that Liverpool deserves better than this. Um, They deserve real investment. Um, Something that's actually going to be useful. Um you know but but it is funny in the sense that you know the government is so out of touch that they were just like hey um have you guys thought about making any uh any attractions based around the Beatles yeah that'll get people in and I'm like oh oh no no the people of Liverpool have not thought about doing this at all nah nah they never even considered it mate nope 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 you go there and there's just there's just nothing Beatles related it's all it's all fucking Jerry and the pacemakers mate nah nah are you fucking joking? Of course they've already got this. They don't need more of it. I just... God. It was fucking clownery. Then... See, there was there was quite a few places, you know, because I guess it's all part of their levelling up fund, levelling up agenda, whatever. So there's quite a few places that have been given funding for things. Um, and Rishi 
Sunak's Twitter account. Now, I don't know if it was him directly tweeting it. Um, I would assume it's actually more likely to be, like, one of his staff or whatever. But still, it's tweeted under his name and it makes him look pathetic and weird. Um, He went around tweeting to all the opposition MPs. Um, So this is one he sent to Ed Miliband. He said, Evening, Ed Miliband. Think you forgot to tweet about the 18.6 million announced at hashtag budget 2021 to help level up Doncaster through the levelling up fund. There's still time, though. Graphic here if you need it. And then there's this little graphic that they've had made up saying, Conservatives are levelling up Doncaster with 18.6 million, upgrading the town centre. And and he went like his well his Twitter account went around tweeting this to all of the different opposition MPs, and I just it looked really. I think maybe someone in his team thought it would be like a a hilarious meme of like oh, Rishi's clapping back. Rishi's got something to say that's hilarious, but it just made him look tragic and really online. And I was just like, mm, come on, this. It just it just made him look like a fucking reply guy. I was just like, oh, not this. Um, what I will say as well, by the way, um, leveling up by upgrading the town centre does not actually mean all that much. Um, I'm gonna explain why. So, I did talk um, a little while back on the show about how my local council did like a full-on fucking publicity poster campaign to tell us all that they'd done up the town centre um you know oh we've put new benches in we've planted some things we've we've painted some signs doesn't it all look nice but there's still fuck all to do in the town centre you know (laughs) there's no um there's no attractions there's no uh, there's barely any shops. Um, yeah, most of the shops are, are just the same. It's, you know, pound shops, charity shops, vape shops, and posh cafes that nobody goes to. Um, so there's nothing really to draw people in. It's like, oh, if you want to go and see a film, there's no point going to the town centre because we don't have a cinema. So you've got to go over to Blue Water. If you want to go to some of the, you know, the bigger name brand shops... Well, you're going to have to go to Blue Water because most of them are there now. Um, you know, if you want to go out, you know, to a restaurant, go somewhere like that, there's not really much in the way of that in Dartford Town Centre. So, again, you've got to go to Blue Water. Um, so, yeah, they've done up the town centre. And, yeah, it looks nice, but nobody's using it because nobody's there. So it was basically a waste of, of time, really because they haven't invested in the actual problems that the town centre has. Um, And I have a feeling that a lot of this levelling up fund is going to be the same thing. Um, I mean, you can take take the Liverpool thing, for example, you know. Oh, that's nice. A new Beatles attraction. Well, that's great. Well, (laughs) I'm pretty sure everybody could learn everything they wanted to know about the Beatles at all the other places that you can learn about the Beatles that are already there in Liverpool. Um... So, you know, if people want other things, well, they're, they're out of luck, aren't they? Because this money is, is just for this and it's not necessary for that to happen. So I just feel like they're throwing small token amounts of money 
at places to say, oh, we're levelling up, we're giving you money for this, we're giving you money for that. But it's for stuff people don't really need. You know what I mean? It's very that. And I... <laughs> I just I just thought it was fucking stupid, really. Um, the national living wage is, is going up. Um, but not really by enough to make it worthwhile. Um, so you know, okay, great, you've done something slightly decent, but I mean, okay, it's, it's not exactly a huge rise, to be real, (laughs) I mean, it's, it's just not, it's going up to £9.50 an hour, but considering everything else is getting more expensive already now, and this 9.50 an hour change isn't going to happen until next April, and things will probably be even more expensive by then, you have to wonder how helpful this will actually be. Um, So the levelling up fund in total is £1.7 billion invested in local areas across the UK. But I mean, how much of it's actually going to be invested in a useful way that is helpful in the long term for those communities is my question. And I do not really appear to be getting that many answers on that from the government. So there we are. Um, hmm. Seven point billion for transport projects in Greater Manchester, the West Midlands, South Yorkshire and other areas. I mean, I can vibe with that actually. Um <laughs> I I'm always up for investing in transport. Um and actually I would say that would be a great use of levelling up funding. You know, because a lot of areas are suffering because of bad transport links. Um, But, you know, we can't exactly expect the government to think about this, can we? Um, So, (laughs) school funding. Yay. (laughs) So, school funding will be returning to 2010 levels essentially i mean the government's bragging and they're like oh we're giving billions and billions of pounds to schools but what they're neglecting to mention is they cut billions and billions away from schools over the decade that they've been in power so this extra money they're giving schools now essentially just takes us back to where the labor party left off when they left office which I wouldn't say is an achievement, frankly. Um, <laughs> like, I'm sorry, but no. Um, it's, it's just not, you know. <laughs> if funding levels are the same as they were 10 years ago, you haven't really achieved anything, I would say. Um, but that's just kind of how this government is. They'll be like, oh, yeah, we're, we're giving all this money to this. And it's like, OK, but how much have you taken away over the last sort of 10 years that you've been in power? Oh, we don't want to talk about that. Look at all this extra money. Yeah, but you're not answering the question. Yes, and we're not going to look at this extra money. Like, that's just basically how it goes with them. So I... <laughs> oh, 
Paul. Um, so apparently they are spending £300 million on a Start for Life parenting programme with an additional £170 million by 2024 to 2025 promised for childcare. I mean, 2024 is a very long way away uh, and <laughs> a number of people are struggling with childcare so um, I'm sure they'll be thrilled about the wait. Um... <laughs> So, this week, if you're not aware, there is a very big climate change conference happening. It's here in the UK, it's in Glasgow. Um, So you'd think that they'd want to use the budget to promote green policies or something, right? (sighs) My God. Um, So the British government are lowering the rate of air passenger duty from April 2023 for domestic flights in the UK. (laughs) I don't even know what to say anymore. The planet's going to blow up and there's nothing I can do about it. I... My God... And you know what? <laughs> a, a government minister was actually asked about this this weekend, and <laughs> he said the dumbest fucking thing. He said, um, "We are an island. You can't get that easily from one part of the country to another, which is not the case with other countries." Now, firstly, that's—I mean, yes, we're an island. That's true. Um, but there are also another, there are, there are a number of countries in the same position as us that manage this without doing domestic flights from one part of the island to another. Um, additionally, we have, we have trains and if trains were more affordable and had a little bit more investment, we could travel that way to different parts of the UK. Um, if only there was something that the British government could do to make rail travel more affordable to the public so that they didn't have to fly from, like, fucking London to Manchester. If only. I... <laughs> I mean... Come the fuck on. This... Oh, this is just absolutely obnoxious and ridiculous. Um, so... They they made a big thing about alcohol, so they are <laughs> they are cancelling the rising duty on spirits, wine, cider, and beer, which means alcohol is gonna get a little bit more affordable. Which I guess will be helpful because I feel like I'm gonna need to drink a lot to get me through living under this government. Um. They talked a lot about, you know, housing, affordable homes, but they 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 didn't really seem to be. I mean, let me let me explain what I mean here. So, they are apparently. 
they've got 640 million a year to address rough sleeping and homelessness firstly my question would be well you guys have been in power for a literal decade at this point um really is this all you can do really um secondly just throwing money at a problem such as homelessness is not really gonna help what people need to be able to get off the streets and stay off the streets is a number of things um you need support um uh, health care which means they actually have to sort out the nhs i mean i'm talking specifically england's nhs by the way but um that's gonna need investment um you're gonna need stable affordable homes for people to go to you're gonna need stable employment support you know it's not just a simple case of chucking some money about and hoping for the best you've actually got to do the work and I don't feel like the government are prepared to do that which is probably why over 10 years into their reign of mad tyranny we still have impossibly and depressingly high levels of homelessness in one of the richest nations in the world um they went on about building affordable homes 180,000 affordable homes apparently um that that to me just seems like they don't really understand the the housing crisis that the UK is currently in because that is not anywhere near enough it's just not um i mean i'm i'm shit at maths and even i know that um <laughs> so and you also i i would ask you know where in which locations are they going because um you have to make sure that these homes are accessible and you don't have a situation where people are having to move like halfway across the UK just to get affordable housing which is a situation that we're in at the moment um there are almost weekly stories of people that are trying to get affordable housing and have been told you know you've got to leave behind your job your family everyone you know or your connections and you've got to go to like fucking I don't know Skegness or fucking like some other place that you you don't know where it is and you don't know anybody i mean if if that's the situation we end up in where all of these affordable homes are um are, are just sort of scattered all over the place and people are having to sort of move miles and miles away just to have a home then i'd say that's a failure personally um They've also said that a 4% levy will be placed on property developers with profits over 25 million to help create a 5 billion pounds fund to remove unsafe cladding. I mean, you could just remove the unsafe cladding. I'm sorry, but if they're if they're just throwing money at like pointless shit like Beatles attractions in Liverpool, for example, <laughs> then I'm sure that they could find some money to remove this unsafe cladding, which the government have been saying they're going to do since the Grenfell Tower disaster happened. Um, 
but you know government's gonna government I guess so I'm aware this is out of context but it is fucking hilarious to me (laughs) Nicola Sturgeon said that she never wants to shake anyone's hand again especially not a man's baby same girl I feel you you are speaking my language you are on my level we are the same sis we are kindred spirits we are like je suis Nicola Sturgeon um I (laughs) I I was trying to remember how to say I am Nicola Sturgeon in Gaelic but I couldn't remember it I haven't done my Duolingo today in my defense, so I. <laughs> Bitch. Anyways, um, no, but that that came from an interview that she did. She was in Vogue this week, the magazine, cause she's she's a she's a fashionable lady. She's an important lady. She is that girl living her best life. Um. We had to stand a little bit. She looked fucking fabulous. Like, <laughs> I can't lie to you. She looked like an absolute queen. Um, she was talking about her life, um, her career. She was talking about climate change. She was talking about empowering women. There was one thing that she talked about as well that I really... Uh, I really do want to touch on because I do think it's really important. Um, She talked about in the future um, looking at fostering children. And I think that's so fucking cool. I mean... I feel like that is something that does not really get talked about a lot, you know, um, especially not with somebody that has such a big platform as somebody who is literally the leader of a country. And I think it's really, just really fucking cool that she's talking about this. Um, she has before she's spoken about um, the difficulty that, that she had um, with losing a baby. And I think that as well, again, that is really admirable because that's not an easy thing to talk about at all. Um, And her opening up about that um, really started conversations. And I think it it sort of set off a pattern for some women at that time to be able to talk about it and how it affected them as well. Uh, Which, I mean, I think that was great. That was really brave of her. And I think this, again... Um, openly talking about her potential future plans and bringing this conversation up having people look at this and saying yeah let's talk about foster caring I think I think that's a great thing um my grandparents were foster carers um actually so uh, I was I was always aware of it. Oh my god, I can't even talk. <laughs> I'm so excited about the subject matter. But I um, 
so I, I kind of grew up aware of fostering myself. Um, and it is something that I, I have considered for myself. Not right now, obviously. <laughs> um, but in the future, that is something that I, I have thought about. Um, because being a woman um, that <laughs> has some barriers to um, being a parent in the way some people you know being a mother in the way that is I don't know traditional or like the, the road that is most often taken um, I mean technically speaking there's a self-imposed barriers <laughs> I suppose I could allow I could attempt to have a man impregnate me, but I I just don't think mentally I could do that. <laughs> um so you know, fostering and, and adoption are, are options that I'm, you know, looking at for myself in the future. So um having somebody with such a big platform opening up these conversations I think is is a really great thing. Um, and I just, I just think she's fucking great, but I'm sure you knew that already, <laughs> but she looked like a fucking queen in the pictures, oh, what an icon, oh, skinny legend, fashion queen, leader of a country, leader of my inner monologue, icon, legend, most iconic woman in Britain, she really did that she really fucking did that um and typically some people went fucking mad on social media and they were like saying all this shit and i'm like you know what baby you keep talking your shit and she'll keep winning elections that's it that's all um (laughs) okay fangirling moment over um well for now oh do you know what this is a nice thing that happened this week so the Westminster Dog of the Year contest happened this week and Sir David Amos who was tragically and horrifically murdered recently as you may remember um, he was a big supporter of the contest and he had actually entered his three year old French Bulldog Vivian um, into the contest and she won and I think that's really lovely I was like, when I saw it, I was like, oh, and also, oh my God, that dog is so cute. Oh my God. Um, I want a dog, but I'm not allowed because I live in rented accommodation, so I don't have rights. Uh, so <laughs> Vivian won. She took home the gold or, well, I, I don't actually know what, what the dogs win. I hope they get proper prizes. I hope that they know that they have rights. Um, she was wearing a City of Southend bandana as she collected her prize. Um, Southend is now becoming a city uh, in memory of Sir David Amis, so that's nice. Um, I just, I just thought that was nice. I was like, oh, that's lovely. That um, onto something a little, <laughs> a little less heartwarming. Um, Let's talk about conversion therapy. I don't want to, but I... 
this is a topic that really depresses me because okay so to be real for a moment I I am someone that really struggled with um with accepting who I was it was it was really difficult for a number of reasons I mean that's the thing um sometimes even if you have you know positive influences in your life that are open and kind and honest I mean I uh on my mum's side of the family they're very you know very progressive and very kind and um you know the kind of people that never would have thought any less of me um but there was a lot of outside factors that made it difficult but I do I do consider myself very fortunate not to have had experience of conversion therapy which I know some people in my position would have um and the thought of that happening to them is horrifying to me and I think one of the things that I think sometimes um sometimes people don't uh I don't want to say understand because that sounds patronizing but I can't think of another way to say it so I'm just gonna say that but I want you to know I'm not saying it in like a patronizing way but I feel like sometimes people don't understand if they're not you know within the LGBT community you don't understand um that even though you don't know everybody you kind of feel connected to them so when you see people struggling when you see people going through difficult things um you feel connected and you feel like you want to help them you want to I mean obviously that happens for everybody I would imagine (laughs) just like general human solidarity but um within our community because sometimes a lot of the things that are happening that are negative are not things everybody knows about so you know these are kind of things that we we're sort of trying to support each other through and feeling that pain it feels like kind of on our own um and that's not really the fault of people outside of the community I do want to say that because I feel like um a lot of the time you know these things are not being uh reported on in accessible ways you know stuff like lgbt history is incredibly hard to find um (laughs) you know and what's happening currently in the community can be difficult to find as well um a lot of people's reaction to a lot of the recent conversations about conversion therapy is oh my god i didn't think that was still happening i thought it was already banned and i don't blame people for thinking that because um we live in what is supposed to be a progressive country and so i'm sure that people thought you know well surely someone's banned this by now but you know (laughs) life can surprise you (laughs) you know what i mean 
Um, I remember there was a, a report by ITV and they exposed conversion therapy happening not far from where I lived. And I remember a lot of local people being really surprised because they had no idea it was happening. Because it was happening, you know, behind closed doors. It's very quiet. It's very, um, very secret, very discreet. And so nobody knew. And I, I, don't, I don't blame the people who, who didn't know because, you know, a lot of the time these things are not talked about publicly. Anyway, um, so <laughs> I feel very strongly about, um, about conversion therapy, even though I've personally never been through it myself. I just feel that it is, it is a, a horrific thing. And the British government has been promising to ban it for a long time. And every time someone asks about it, they're like, yeah, 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 we're going to do it. We're going to get to it. Relax, relax. We're going to do it. And then they don't. Um, however, the government, the British government have finally announced proposed plans to ban conversion therapy. However, They are leaving in a loophole. I just, I knew this would happen. I knew this would happen. I knew it, I knew it, I knew it. And look, I... The thing, the thing is, right? And I say this, by the way before anyone thinks I'm trying to like attack religious institutions I I am a religious person myself and I do take it relatively seriously um and I, I do believe um in freedom of religion to a point and that point is where someone's beliefs are harming somebody that I think at some point someone has to step in and say no um and even if you try and soften the image of conversion therapy and you know refer to it as like a consenting practice and it's just guidance and and all this it is still incredibly dangerous and I just don't feel that <laughs> I don't feel the loophole should be there um, surveys have shown one of the government's own surveys by the way that 51% of people who have endured conversion therapy had it conducted by faith groups so 51% of people that had gone through conversion therapy would essentially still slip through the net thanks to this loophole um so it doesn't it doesn't really feel like an actual ban really and and that's just really fucking disappointing um i just i i would also say because everybody keeps going on about consent you have to factor in the social pressure and the fact that can consent be consent if it is coerced? If a person feels that they have to do it, if a person feels that they don't have a choice, if a person feels 
a lot of social pressure, bullying, um, you know, if they've got someone in a religious group they belong to telling them that they have to because they'll let down the whole community, if they've got family pressuring them, if they've got friends pressuring them, is it actual consent if all of those things also happen? I would say not, personally. Um, but I would say that's something the government ought to be looking at because this is a real serious thing. Um, conversion therapy is, is clearly incredibly damaging and I don't have much faith in the British government, as you may have already guessed. But I do... I do want to um, I, I want to believe that they're telling the truth when they say they want to protect people from the dangers of conversion therapy I want to believe them when they say that they want to make life better for LGBT people but if that's going to happen they're going to need to show that they're serious about this. They can't be leaving loopholes in that leaves people still in danger. It's just... You can't do that. It's it's a one or the other thing. Either you give a shit enough to actually help people properly, keep people safe, or you don't. That's it. It's It's one or the other. Unfortunately, Keir Starmer tested positive this week for COVID-19. So he had to stay home and self-isolate. Hopefully he's doing well. Um, So he was replaced by Ed Miliband for Prime Minister's questions this week. Ed Miliband, I feel, did a pretty good job. Um, It was kind of awkward actually speaking of Keir Starmer um so do I need to drag this man I mean life already has no you know what okay so Owen Jones who is a journalist an activist a man who seems to be on Twitter an awful lot um he he started by making a good point. Well, half of a good point. So, this week, there was a man who was arrested for making threats to Angela Rayner, who's the deputy leader of the Labour Party. And... So, Owen Jones tweeted about it and he said it is extremely weird that men are being arrested for alleged threats against Angela Rayner including one charged now if it had stopped there and just made the point that it is disgusting that these men are threatening a woman for doing her job and sending her this horrific abuse that would have been cool with me 
because that's a really good point. It's disgusting that this is happening to her. A hundred percent. But then he continued and I was like, girl, you really going to do this? Really, girl? Oh, bitch, not this. So he continues. And Keir Starmer has issued no statement of solidarity with his own deputy. You think he doesn't have her phone number, bitch? You think he doesn't have her email? How do you know he didn't reach out to her? I mean, obviously, he he probably wouldn't have reached out in person because he tested positive for COVID and he seems like the kind of guy who's going to stick to the rules. But how do you know he didn't send her an email or, like, some flowers or phone her and said, Hi, Angela, I hope you're okay. This is absolutely shit that this is happening to you. I'm really glad that those bastards were caught. I hope you're all doing okay. How how do you know he didn't do that? Like you th- do you does this does this man really think everything happens on social media? Girl, I <laughs> I'm sorry, but Girl. Owen Jones is 37 years old. And he is the most online person I've ever seen. I, I'm sorry, but like, girl. Anyways. He then quote tweets himself a couple hours later. And he says, no response from Keir Starmer's team so far. Except that he has unfollowed me on Twitter over this tweet. Baby, he was busy having COVID and stuff. Do you really think he was sat there on his fucking timeline on Twitter? Like, do you even think he does his own tweets? He's the leader of the fucking opposition. He's the leader of the Labour Party. Do you really think he's doing his own tweets? Come on, baby. No, 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 no. <laughs> like, girl. He probably has people run his social media for him. And someone that is involved that is as involved in politics as Owen Jones claims to be, probably ought to know that. Um, But, you know, you really think that Keir Starmer was just, like, on the Twitter and he was like, oh, Owen Jones subtweeted me. Oh, my God. Oh, oh, no. Oh, my God, he's directly out of me. Oh, my God, what am I going to do? Oh, my God. I have to unfollow him and take some time away. Oh, I'm so depressed. Like, no, girl. No. I mean, it's the fragility for me because, (laughs) baby, (laughs) this, this boy really thinks everything fucking happens on Twitter.com. Girl, Keir Starmer probably doesn't even have the app on his phone. He probably has people to fucking tweet for him and Instagram for him. And God, I don't know if he's on TikTok, so I'm not going to say it, but, um, (laughs) I just, (laughs) I mean, go, come on. It's just not realistic. It's just not realistic. Like, 
I mean... Like, I get it. His whole brand is, like, talking shit about Kiss Starmer. And I get that. And if that's what you want to do, like, fine. Okay. Um... But throwing a tantrum because whoever runs Keir Starmer's Twitter account, like, unfollowed your account? Like, who cares, girl? And social media, baby, it's never that serious. Um, oh, let's go back to talking shit about Rishi Sunak. <laughs> let's see if I can just say so many mean things about him that he sends me a DM. He's like, please, please stop being mean to me on Maine. And I'll be like, please stop cutting money from people on Universal Credit and then we'll talk. So <laughs> he was in uh, Bury. I think I'm pronouncing that right. I could not be. But um, I'm not the Chancellor of the Exchequer, so I don't feel like I'm held to the same account of like being able to pronounce things and stuff and also not pronouncing things correctly is my brand so um but <laughs> he got himself all confused in an interview and he said he was in Burnley and it's like well baby no you're not <laughs> and a lot of people made fun of him so I guess his team was real busy sending out weird dms begging people to delete their tweets I feel I was sad cringe just a little bit sad cringe um that's kind of his brand i mean he doesn't know that it's his brand because he thinks that his brand is like cool like you know okay so he he is the same as like jeff bezos and that they both think or like elon musk they all think like oh yeah everyone like aspires to be just like me i'm so cool i'm so amazing and it's like Nah, bitch. Everyone thinks you're a mug. <laughs> oh. So going back to this whole Beatles thing. Nadine Doris. Or whoever runs her fucking Twitter. But that being said. Some of her tweets strike me as really dumb. So I do believe that she writes them herself. Um, so she she tweeted this to announce the new two million pounds Beatles attraction in Liverpool oh darling the government has come together to invest two million pounds into a major new Beatles attraction with a little help from my friends my god at the treasury and taxpayers support god I hope the taxpayers aren't also paying for these terrible fucking song lyric references in this tweet because god we're getting the waterfront development in Liverpool going that's something to twist and shout about and then there's this graphic it's (laughs) it's like yellow submarine themed to announce the new attraction and I'm like I hope Paul McCartney sues. He's a good man and he doesn't deserve this. And the funniest thing is that all of the replies on this tweet are people from Liverpool saying, we don't want this. (laughs) Oh my God. 
Oh my god. I mean... Oh, you hate to see it. You really hate to fucking see it. So speaking of Miss Nadine on the Twitter, Nadine Doris, Culture Secretary and uh, Embarrassment to the Good City of Liverpool. Um, I'm allowed to say that, by the way, because my mum's family are from there. So it's like I get to have opinions on this, even though I've only been to Liverpool twice. But I did think it was nice. Um... I went on the ferry, you know, the one from the song. And the ferry did, in fact, cross the Mersey. And I had a lovely time. I felt very glam. Um, <laughs> I did I did actually end up going to some of the many Beatles-related attractions in the area. Um, but Nadine has had a lot to say lately about uh, social media conduct, um, violent language, and things like that. But one of her old tweets was exposed. Yet another one of Nadine's old tweets. Um, And this is why I do kind of believe that she does do her own tweeting, because my God... (laughs) So, uh, the tweet was written in response to a journalist who asked her how her daughter could be, at the time, her secretary, who was paid £35,000 a year, when that daughter lived 100 miles away from what would be her workplace. And in response to this question... Nadine Doris said this on Twitter, publicly. Be seen within a mile of my daughters and I will nail your balls to the floor using your own front teeth. Do you get that? (laughs) Well, 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 well what the fuck that's a pretty fucked up thing to say to someone who's just asking a question about nepotism um or to anybody really um wow wow what the fuck uh speaking of uh politicians that say incredibly violent things um let's talk about claudia webb Remember her? Recently convicted of harassing a woman and threatening to throw acid at her. Uh, Claudia Webb has now said that she has been discriminated against. She has said, I am a black woman in a white court. Okay, so as an ethnic minority... I get to talk about this too. I love that. You know, the, the the best part about being a number of different fucking minorities, you know. I'm an ethnic minority. I'm a sexual minority. Um, I'm a woman, so I've got that going for me. But it means I get, I get to talk shit about a bunch of things. And if anyone tries to come for me, I can just be like, oh, excuse me. 
here are my fucking credentials, bitch. (laughs) So, in my life, I've experienced a lot of racism. And it's not been fun, it's not been nice. In an ideal world, there would be no racism, but I don't believe, personally, that racism will ever end because I think that there are um, benefits to it for some people. You know, I think that there are some people that that really do. I mean, you look at, for example, Donald Trump. That is a man who literally uh, managed to get himself elected and stay president for several years of, of a major superpower just by, you know, stoking up racism you know he he literally got to be a fucking president of a country even though he had zero qualifications and had no business doing that job because he stoked up enough racism and he managed to trick people into electing him through that you know um and there's tons of examples like that so i don't think i don't think racism is ever, ever gonna go away because there will always be some people that can benefit by saying racist things using racist rhetoric and so on and so forth and discriminate against people that being said something happening to you does not always have something to do with your race if they literally have audio of you committing the crime that you said you didn't commit if they literally have all this evidence against you then maybe you actually did it and it's not at all anything to do with your race. And maybe, Claudia Webb, when you come out with this kind of absolute fucking nonsense, you're making it harder for actual people that are actually going through serious issues of racism. Because if you if you stand up and you say, well, I, you know... I mean, yeah, you've got all this evidence I did this crime, but I didn't do it. And if you say I did, then you're racist. Then any time anyone talks about actual racism, they won't be taken seriously. Because you've done this stupid fucking thing. You did not get convicted because of racism. You got convicted because they had fucking audio clips of you doing the thing that's illegal harassing the woman and threatening to throw acid at her that's why you got convicted sis it had fucking nothing to do with what color the court was or whatever had nothing to do with your skin color the judge's skin color that woman's skin color none of that shit was relevant the only thing that was relevant was the evidence that they had against you you did this to yourself racism didn't do this to you you did this to you by acting like some kind of fucking Glenn Close bunny boiler weirdo you did this and I just I find it really fucking annoying when this shit happens because I I will say this, I firmly believe that probably at some point in her life, probably multiple points, Claudia Webb has probably faced a lot of racism. Sure, 100%. I can believe that because I know from my experiences, same, and every ethnic minority I know, same. 
But that doesn't mean that everything that happens to her that is inconvenient or not what she wanted to happen is racism. You can't go around saying that every single thing that you don't like or every single thing that happens to you that you are not happy with, you can't just say, oh, that's racism. No, it isn't. It, I mean, that, God, that'd be like me saying, oh, my bus didn't turn up today. Oh, that's racism, that. Yep, yep. They didn't, they didn't turn up because I'm mixed. That's why. Yep. Yep. They didn't, they didn't, they didn't want to come and pick me up because my dad's black. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what it is. You know, if at Christmas dinner, right, my mum takes the last roast potato, I cannot turn around to her and say, I knew you would do this. I knew you would do this because you are a white woman and it is your mission in life to oppress me because you're racist. Like, I I can't say that to her because her taking the last roast potato isn't racist. It just means she wanted that potato. And yeah, it's an inconvenience to me, but I'm not going to sit there and be like, racist mother, because that would be mad. Like, that would be fucking insane and ridiculous and stupid and a minimization of what racism actually is. Nothing about this conviction has anything to do with racism. Like, she has absolutely no evidence for this. But the courts had plenty of evidence that she did what she was fucking accused of. So she was convicted of it. Where is the racism in that, babes? Where is it? You want to talk about racism in terms of law enforcement? Talk about the fact that, uh, I mean, I, I, I can give you an example from my own life. When I lived in London, I used to get stopped and searched all the fucking time for drug searches, weapon searches. I don't fucking have a criminal record. They'd always be like, oh, yeah, yeah, you look like a suspect we've seen. And sometimes it would happen to me, like, more than once in a day. And I'd be like, how many suspects do you have walking around that look exactly like me? How many, bitch? that's racism they were targeting me because of my race right and I know this because there would be times when I'd be with like my friends and they would all be white people and they wouldn't be searched um you know and and the police officer when I'd ask them they'd be like oh it's just a random search and I'm like okay well I'm in a group of like six people here you don't want to randomly search these bitches too just me okay (laughs) yeah all right but I mean, obviously, I would say that part in my head because I didn't want to get beat up. Um, but shit like that—that's racism from law enforcement and from the criminal justice system and shit like that. Sure. But if you do a crime and then they catch you red-handed, bang to rights on fucking HD, like lossless, a fucking adobe surround sound audio doing the crime that's not racism that's just the criminal justice system actually doing their jobs competently for once and i just god i was just mad about it because it's i just feel like this is like a desperate move from her a really really desperate move and I know that she will be aware of how damaging it is when this kind of thing happens when someone just 
blames racism for everything because it minimizes it when everyone's trying to talk about it 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 gives fuel to the people that want to pretend racism isn't real it's like girl you're just making life harder for everybody else because you don't want to take responsibility for what you fucking did and i'm not having it i won't i i i'm saying fucking no to this um i've had i've had it officially um angela rayner you may remember a little while ago she was speaking at labor conference and she she referred to the government as tory scum and there were a lot of people that got upset and then after the murder of david amis there was a lot of people that tried to essentially link what she said to that now personally i i don't really believe that to be fair but nevertheless she issued an apology this week for her remarks and she said that she would try and be more careful in the language that she uses in the future I understand why she's made the apology. I I mean, I feel like it's something that there's a lot of reasons. I know that she, she did say that she'd reflected on her language. She'd had some time off because she's unfortunately lost someone close to her. So she had some bereavement leave and she said she'd thought about it during that time as well. Um, and also... With her being the deputy leader of the party, I feel like there is probably an expectation that at some point, eventually, she would have to apologise anyway. Um, however, I... I think... I think we, we do have to be... We do have to be careful. Obviously you can be selective about your language and you can say okay fine I'm not going to call someone scum but there does seem to be this kind of um slow and attempting to be subtle but not really push from some in the government to try and make it look as if criticizing the government is in itself inherently bad and that if you criticize the government you're going to to lead to violence against them and i do not think that that is true and i do not think it is fair to expect the public or other politicians to not be allowed to be critical of a government especially a government that fucks up to this extent um on such a regular basis um so for example um andrea jenkins who is a conservative mp she uh posted on twitter about a campaigner called steve bray uh steve bray kind of uh rose to prominence during the brexit wars <laughs> um and 
he kind of became known for standing outside of the Houses of Parliament and yelling, stop Brexit. During, so after the Brexit vote happened, for those outside the UK and don't understand what I mean when I say the Brexit wars. So after the 2016 vote, which resulted in the public voting to leave the European Union, there were a number of campaigners that... And you know what, this is an unpopular opinion, but I'm going to fucking say it anyway. There are a number of campaigners that did not really have much of a presence and didn't really do much campaigning before the vote, who suddenly became really politically active. um, Because it became... And again, this is something I always talk about, but I'm going to do it. It became really profitable to do so. Um... There are a number of uh, people that essentially forged careers for themselves as political commentators by basically showing up and having some kind of anti-Brexit gimmick. Um, Now, there are some people um, who I don't think did it with the intention of, of wanting to grift and actually did kind of discover the issue and, and gave a shit. But there are some people that really, I feel, were just in it for what they could get for themselves. Uh, Those people tend to be the ones that have now moved on to other issues, um, you know, and sort of started latching on to other causes to keep themselves relevant. Um, I wouldn't personally class Steve Bray in that second group because he does seem to still give a shit about Brexit, even though it does seem to be a bit of a lost cause at this point. Um... But he's still out there, he's still doing his thing, and, you know, fine, I respect that. Um, so he's still doing his thing. Um, he tends to stand outside of the House of Parliament still. Uh, he'll go to events that MPs are at. Um, and he will normally have banners talking about, you know, uh, Brexit sometimes. He will... Um, you know, talk about other issues that could be affected because of Brexit and stuff like that. Um, so Andrew Jenkins uh, decided to tweet about him and said, an MP has been murdered and anti-Brexit Steve Bray is still allowed to spread hatred and intimidate Conservative MPs. Earlier, he shouted out my name on a megaphone, identifying me in a busy public place. He also calls us cheats and liars and has shouted at me several times in front of my son. Um, So Steve Steve Bray did actually reply and he said, Yes, I sarcastically shouted, Hello, Andrea. How does that relate to murdering an MP? You've walked past that corrupt Tory banner for over two years now. You're either blind or you are wanting to make the most of the tragic and despicable murder of Sir David Amis. So here are my thoughts. I... I don't know that either of them are really being fair here, actually. Ah, see, I bet you thought, bah, I'm about to flip the script. No, um, 
Um, I think Steve Bray's initial uh, protesting, you know, just yelling stop Brexit, fair enough. And him pointing out corruption within the government, I don't think that is... um, I don't think that's wrong. Because realistically speaking, we are in a situation where we do have a government where there is a lot of corruption going on. That's that's just the truth. That is reality. Um, you know, whether it's, you know, procurement scandals, whether it's cash for access, uh, whether it is the constituencies of conservative members of parliament getting more funding than other places there is a lot of fucking corruption happening you know whether it is um you know members of the cabinet breaking lockdown rules while the rest of us have to stick to it there is a lot of really poor conduct happening in our government that's just the truth of the matter that's happening that's real and i don't think that it is wrong for a campaigner to talk about that and to to bring attention to it. Um, I would say... uh, Doing that in front of someone's child, that's one of the only things I have... Like, when it comes to the, you know this sort of thing happening in front of children I do have a major issue with that because I do think that that's wrong um because frankly children cannot help what jobs their parents have um and I don't think it's fair because it could be incredibly scary to a child um you know to see all that happening and I I think that is really unfair um However, just calling out corruption and and frankly telling the truth and saying, yes, the, the current government is corrupt. Yes, the Conservative Party is corrupt. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Um, calling, her, calling her and Conservative MPs cheats and liars. I mean... This, this is sort of what I was saying about earlier because whether they want to admit it or not that is happening we have conservative MPs that are breaking rules that are lying to the public that are being for want of a better word cheats and liars and to be to be frank if we are to you know soften that and and, you know address this with them in a softer way you know linguistically I mean um then it doesn't really do anything because they don't they don't care and they don't have to um a, a good example of this is so during uh, the initial stages of the COVID-19 pandemic, there were a number of government contracts that were given out to, you know, friends of cabinet ministers and all this, people that had no experience and no business 
doing stuff like making PPE and all that. Um, and we ended up paying out loads of money to people that then could not provide the services that we needed. So essentially, our government threw away millions of pounds of taxpayer money when we needed to be getting the equipment we needed as quickly as possible and as efficiently as possible. And they just pissed money up the wall. They just gave it to people that could not give them back the goods that they were supposed to be getting, right? Now that's, that's corruption, because I have a hard time believing that the government had no idea that was going to happen. It really did seem like they were just handing money out to their friends for the sake of it. And the frustrating thing was, when it was reported in the media, a lot of publications were referring to it as things like cronyism and shit like that. And it's like, no, it's corruption. It's, it's basically the government stealing taxpayer money and giving it to random people for nothing that's our fucking money and they're just giving it away and all you can think to say is cronyism and you're making it sound so soft and just fuck off no that's not what's happening it's it's corrupt it's disgusting that's what's happening but because it was just referred to in a much softer way a lot of people it took them a while to understand what was really happening and of course once they did people got angry and they were like wait what the fuck i thought it was hold up hold up you guys made it sound like it wasn't that bad what the fuck this is awful and it's like yeah yeah it is isn't it but because it wasn't stated in a way that people could understand what was really happening people didn't know and so it let the government get away with it for a while And it's the same thing here. If we are to soften the way we talk about government corruption, if we're going to soften the way we talk about when the government tells us lies, when the government promises us things and doesn't deliver, how are we ever to hold them accountable if people are protected from the truth of what they are doing? It is not for the public to make the government feel okay with bad things that they are doing. If you do a bad thing, you might get a bad reputation. Now that is not to say, I don't want anyone to fucking misconstrue me or get it twisted or fucking lie about what I'm saying here. Of course, none of this ever means that somebody should be attacked or somebody should be hurt, or somebody should be threatened. No, of course not. No way. But we should be able to talk about what's happening. If the government is being corrupt, we should be allowed to call them corrupt. If the government is lying to us, we should be allowed to call them liars. If the government is cheating the public out of our own money, our own taxpayer money, we should be able to call them out. And I just, I worry that this push is trying to take away the public's power to talk about what's happening in front of us. And I think that is a really scary and fucked up thing. And I don't like it one bit.
that is all for this week so I'm off to fly away on my broomstick and do witchy things um no that's not true I you know what I don't want to add some more like air pollution where I live so I don't use my broomstick anymore I use public transport that's true or like I I use a transformation spell and I turn myself into like a bird or something I just fly where I want to go it's very very eco-friendly um (laughs) anyways but we'll be back again next week with a new episode and I'm really excited it's gonna be so much fun I'll see you then I love you bye Thank you.